Praise God, you tuned in to the Pursuit of God Ministry podcast series, where we keep our focus in the Word of God, that we may become better disciples for Christ. I want to thank you for tuning in as we start Mark chapter 10. So the last time we came together, we had just finished Mark chapter 9, and um, I know I didn't have a podcast last week, mostly it was because I wasn't myself prepared to give this lesson. So I took the week off so that I can actually get in the lesson myself so that I can give you a good lesson for this week. So uh, with that, we're in Mark chapter 10. We're skipping down to verse 17. And that's because with verses 1 through 12, it deals with divorce. Uh, and while I can go through that and I can tell you about it, I think for those of you who are actually dealing or struggling with the issue, who have been through the issue, uh, it is better for God to deal with you with the interpretation of that than it is for me to deal with you. So I'd rather you read verses 1 through 12 for yourself and get your get your interpretation from God directly versus me having the conversation with you uh, in regards to those things. Um, we're also skipping verses 13 through 16. Um, and, and basically in 13 through 16, they bring little children to Jesus and the disciples are like, no, you need to get these kids away from Christ. And the only note that I put on that is we read earlier where Jesus said, whoever receives this child receives me. And so we have to always be cognizant um, that when Jesus or when God gives us instruction in something, that we understand that that instruction isn't necessarily just for that one instance, but that instruction, uh, we need to make sure that we're paying attention to it so that whenever that, whenever that, um, whenever the opportunity to apply the teachings of Christ uh, present themselves, that we're actually applying the word of God that he has shared with us into those situations. So that being said, this week, what our focus is, our focus is on the rich young ruler. Uh, and so we'll be looking at verses 17. I think we're going to only read down to verse 22, and, and then we'll pick up with part two next week. But it reads, um, uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 22 reads, And he was sitting, he was setting out on a journey, and a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your mother and your father. And he said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth. Looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said to him, One thing you lack. Go and sell all your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But these words, by, but at these words he was saddened, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much wealth. So, several different things going on here. Um, the first thing that we have is we have this rich young man, he runs up to Jesus, and he kneels before him, Right? So what we see here is uh, we see that this man has identified Jesus as someone of, of significance or, or, or someone of importance. And many of us have gotten to the place where we have identified the importance of Christ in our life or the importance of God in our life or the importance of uh, religion in our life. And so we've ascribed this type of wealth or this type of worth to it and this type of value to it. And we've made a choice at some degree that we consider this to be above normal. And so the man, he, he, he identified the importance of Christ. 
and then he knelt before him. And him kneeling signifies worship, right? So we have this man who identifies the importance of Christ in his life. And then we also identify his understanding that because this is important, that it requires some some level and some type of worship. And with everything that we go through in life and everything that we deal with in life, whatever it is that we run to uh, as feeling that that thing is important and whatever we, we yield ourselves to, in or, or, or in this case, kneel before, uh, we signify our worship of that thing. And so the one thing that I will ask you to think about is what is it that you're running to um, that you that you end up worshiping over things that you know you should be doing for the things of God, right? Um, I talked to my wife about it before, and it's like, you know, we talked about it even in previous podcasts. We're so caught up on the things that we're going to lose when we come to Christ um, that we find different ways to hold on to those things. And, you know, and as we talked about it in previous podcasts, we call it practice sin. So we find different ways to hold on to practice sin and we feel that we need it in our life or we feel that we're not ready to let it go or whatever the case may be. But we're running to that thing. And if we're running to that thing and we're giving it our time, we're giving it our energy and our effort, essentially we're kneeling before it and we're worshiping that thing. So we have to be cognizant of that because the word of God tells us that we shall have no uh, other God before our God. And if we're if we've gotten to the place where we're in worship of things that draw us away from God, then we're running into a problem. Um, we're running into an issue all of itself. But nonetheless, getting back here, um, when he kneels before him, he asks him, he says, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit life? So he identifies Christ as a good teacher. And then he presents his question to Christ saying, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, what is interesting to me uh, and before I even get into that, I'm going to reiterate what I've been ta- what I've been saying over all these podcasts. You have to know what you know for yourself. You have to believe in God the way that you believe in God. You have to accept Him for who He is to you, and you cannot allow other people to shape your understanding of who God is without you taking that time to get in there and really study for yourself. So. Uh, he Jesus turns around and he says to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. The one question that has always bothered me since the beginning of me understanding what Christianity was is how can three people be one person? Or how can one person be three people? Uh, it, it has always bothered me and it has always bugged me and it's always been something that I haven't been able to answer. And we hear people quote scripture saying that God or that God and Jesus Christ are one, um, that God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they're all one and all this. And we hear that, you know, in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God and the word is God. And we have taught that the Holy Trinity is one person. But when I was studying and as I was reading, when I got to this part, to see Jesus say, no one is good except God, it took me back to this question. It took me back to this issue. Um, And again, 
in a second, you're going to understand why I say you have to know for yourself uh, what the word of God says. And even when I share this with you, this is not this is not me telling you that this is true. This is you have to get out there and you have to study and, and come to the conclusion for yourself. But when I hear Jesus say this or when I read Jesus say this, it tells me that the way we have taught the Trinity is incorrect. Um, it tells me that Jesus is separate from God. And if Jesus is separate from God, then it means that they are two different entities. Now, don't get me wrong. Um, I know... I know that the word of God, I know that the word of God says that uh, God and Jesus are one. And as I thought about it, my question is, is did we interpret that scripture incorrectly by saying that they're one in terms of one person? Because scripture tells us when, when a man is to marry a woman, he's to leave his family and he's to cling to the woman. And that the two flesh are to intertwine and become one, right? And if the two are supposed to become one, then when I look at my marriage with my wife, I see two different individuals who are of the same mindset. So me and my wife, we have the same goals. Me and my wife, we come together, we put our plans together and, and we hash it out and, and we determine how we're going to proceed forward with our finances, with our personal lives. We talk about our hobbies. We really get to know each other. And that's that's how we have become one. And so my question is, is when the word of God says that they are one, is it really saying that they are one entity or is it saying that they are of the same mind? Is it saying that they are unified in thought, unified in understanding and, and, and whatnot? Because when you go for, forward and you look at this, if Jesus is God and this rich man asked him saying, good teacher, and Jesus responds, why do you call me good? Then that in and of itself would shine some light saying that maybe Jesus and God are not the same entity. And as I talked to my wife about it, my wife actually tripped me out because she said, yeah, of course, because Jesus could have sinned. And when she said it, it kind of, it, it made me stop because I've always said that um, when, when I do teach, I, I always bring up the fact that Jesus could have sinned. But when I bring it up, I realize after talking with my wife that what I really do is I talk over uh, over the fact. And I never actually really stopped to really think about it. So Jesus could have sinned, which means Jesus had in him uh, the same issues that we have in us. And we've talked about it. Hebrews says that Jesus is the high priest that we have that intercedes behind, on behalf of us with God. And, and then it talks about that we have a high priest that understands what we've been through. Uh, the word of God also says that there is no temptation that Christ hasn't had an experience. And so if that's the case, then what we're looking at is we're looking at the same thing that is in me that that draws me um, or, or, yeah, that draws me to sin was also in Christ Jesus. Like there was something in Christ Jesus to draw him to sin. 
the difference is that Jesus did not yield to whatever that 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 pulling was to sin. And so when he says God alone is good, it makes me see Jesus in a different light to understand that the word of God also says that we are born in sin and that we're shaping in iniquity as well. So when Jesus came into this world through the birth of Mary, he was birthed in the flesh, which is imperfect. He was birthed into flesh, which was uh, which which because of Adam's sin um, caused us to, to be put in a, in a broken state. Right. He was born in the same circumstance, in the same situation as we were. And so when we bring up the question, what would Jesus do? It's not what would Jesus do absent of the same desires and the same the same uh, pulling uh, uh, on the lust inside of us. It's what would Jesus do with the same pulling for the lust, these same desires that we have inside of us? What would he do? Because when we talk about this, when the question is asked, people all would, their, their first response to say is, well, I'm not perfect or I'm not Jesus. But if Jesus experienced the same temptation as us, if Jesus felt the same pulling as us, then when we say, I'm not perfect, I'm not Jesus, what we're really doing is we're making an excuse because what we've done is we've taken Christ and we've put him on this perfect pedestal that says he could have never sinned. But the same things in us that make us sin was in him. This And, and like I said, this is what my interpretation of all this is. And so if... If Christ could have sinned and he didn't, it tells me that I have the ability not to sin as well if I choose. Now, the other thing that came out of all of this is I started thinking about it because we always say that Jesus is the second Adam. And we talk about how Adam's fall um, because he ate the fruit. Uh, that his that Eve offered him, which was against what God had told him, caused him to sin. And so when I think about it, the tree, uh, it says that the tree was of good and evil. So the tree that they ate of or the fruit that they ate of was from the tree of good and evil. And so, again, if Bible says we're born in sin and shaped in iniquity, and Jesus says here uh, that no one is good except for God alone, then it tells me that good and evil existed in Christ as well. Good and evil exist in you and I. But when Jesus had the Holy Spirit come upon him, it, it empowered him to remain in a place that he kept his grounding in God the Father, and he never lost sight of what God called him to do and so when he looked at it from a perspective of eternity, because if Jesus would have sinned, we all would have been screwed, right? Or there would have had to have been another Jesus come uh, in order to fulfill the role of the Messiah, right? So if Jesus would have sinned, he, he would have been concentrated on the temporary. We've talked about this before, the temporal versus eternity. Part of the reason why we struggle so much as Christians is because we're so focused on the temporal. We're so focused on right here, right now in this moment, and we neglect to think about things from an eternal point of view. 
right? When we die as believers, as disciples, when we die, we will experience eternal life, whether that's in heaven with God the Father or whether that's in hell with the devil and the rest of them people down there, right? And it's for eternity. Like when we read last week uh, or, or the last podcast at the end of it, where it was saying it is better to cut out, to remove your eye than to burn in hell where the worm and the fire never extinguished, right? So hell is for eternity. If, if we stop thinking about things from a temporal point of view or from a right now point of view, and we actually started to view things from an eternal point of view, it would actually change the way that we handle things because we would understand that our decisions today really do affect our outcomes for tomorrow. And so going forward with that, uh, as I was looking at this, um, I, I really did start to stop and think about the fact that we always say that 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 Jesus is the second Adam. And so when when Adam sinned by eating the, the, the fruit, he disobeyed God. And when you read um, Genesis chapter three, we read that when Eve ate the fruit, that she ate the fruit because the snake caused her to see that it was good and desirable. And because she saw that it was good and desirable, she then took of the tree, which got which she was told not to, and she partook of it. And then she gave that same thing to Adam, ultimately making him see that it was good and desirable. And then he ate, and therefore man chose what they wanted over what God told them to do. So, this takes me back to uh, the fall of the angels, right? Because I do see that Jesus is the second Adam, but I also see Jesus as the second Lucifer. Now, for those of you who don't know, uh, before Satan was kicked out of heaven, he was called Lucifer. And Lucifer was the greatest of all the angels. And his job or his position was that he would open his wings and he had all these jewels or whatever in his wings, and it would reflect the glory of God from his wings. And when he would open his wings and, and lead uh, what we would consider praise and worship with all the other angels to God the Father, he began to get prideful, and he began to think that he could exalt himself above God. Because as, they, as, as the angels worshiped at his command by him opening his wings, uh, he felt that he controlled the worship. And so he looked at God and he said, I can do what you do. And then from there, we have the fall, uh, the fall of angels. Lucifer was kicked out of heaven along with a third of the angels. His name was then changed from Lucifer to Satan. Uh, and, and, and he was bound to the earth and to hell and all those other things. So when I look at Lucifer, and this is why I say I think Jesus may actually be the second Lucifer, when I look at Lucifer, uh, his charge was to lead praise and worship. His charge was to reflect the glory of God, right? That was his charge. And in him, in him carrying out his charge, his pride came into play and he began to think more highly of himself than he ought to. And when we look at uh, Mark chapter 9, and I think even into chapter eight, um, one of the big things that we ended up talking about was pride. 
we started talking about humility and how we're to humble ourselves before God. That when we humble ourselves, God will then exalt us and, and, and whatnot. And so when Lucifer was in heaven and he was reflecting the glory of God, which we as disciples are supposed to do, which we as ministers, we as preachers, we as teachers, we as disciples, we're supposed to reflect the glory of God so that the, so that those on earth can see that glory. And we've talked about that because the Bible says that we are written epistles or written letters to be read by all men. And if we are to be read by all men, then the glory of God that shines on us, they should be able to read the God in us and then inquire about or inquire to us about what is it in us that makes us different. Right. So anyways, so he he reflected the glory of God, but somewhere in his mind, he felt that he could be God. He elevated himself to a higher place. But when you look at everything that Christ did, Christ was the Messiah. Christ was doing the things of God. And literally, the people could have worshipped him. Literally, Jesus could have, Jesus, Jesus would speak things and those things would happen. Right? And, and, and it's not far-fetched to think that Jesus wouldn't have exalted himself as a God as well. But when you listen to what he says, and you listen to how Jesus humbled himself uh, humbled himself to God, Jesus' response was always, I'm about my father's business. Jesus' response was always, I'm going to do the will of God. Jesus' response was that, that, that let, um, if it be possible, let this cup pass over, but nevertheless, your will be done. Jesus was always about his father's business. He was always about humbling and submitting himself to God. Regardless to what he was up against, regardless to what he could do, he still humbled himself. And so when we look at, at Jesus as the second Adam, Jesus as the second Adam never sinned. Where the first Adam sinned and brought, and brought a, a discord or a break in our right relationship with God. And then you have Christ who came and never sinned, and he gave us the, the ability to get back in a right relationship with God, right? That's the Adam portion. But when you look at the Lucifer portion, Jesus reflected the glory of God and he never took God's glory for himself. He never took God's glory for himself. So if he never took God's glory for himself and he humbled himself, how much more should we not take credit for God's glory on us and shining through us and working through us and moving through us? If Christ didn't do it. And so where we have Lucifer, the one who pride took over, and we have Adam, the one who sinned, we have Christ, the one who remained humble, the one who remained, uh, the one who remained, remained the light for God's glory to shine through, and the perfect Christ, the one who never sinned by conquering our desires and the things that pull us away from the things. God, right? So Jesus is bigger than all of this. But just like I said, when I read uh, verse 18, and Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Jesus could have turned into Lucifer. He could have gotten a big head. He could have, Jesus could have equated himself as an equal to God. 
And Jesus could have sent. Like, really consider the reality of that. Jesus could have sent. Jesus could have truly blasphemed by exalting himself above, excuse me, above God. But didn't. That's what we're to strive for. The gifts that God has given you, they're not. They're not there for you to exalt yourself. And that's why I said in, in a couple in, in a podcast not too long ago, we don't control the word of God. That's not our job. Our job is not to control how people interpret the scriptures. Our job is not to control how people live the scriptures. Our job is not to serve as judge, executioner, and jury for people who sin. That's not our job. Our job is to help people to stand on their two feet so that they can move forward in what God has called them to do. That's it. That's our job. And the second part to our job is to yield ourselves to God and and, and to get to a place where we submit to him and we resist the devil. Right. That's that's where we're supposed to get to. And so Jesus goes on. um, Jesus goes on after saying this. And he says, you know the commandments, uh, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, so forth and so on. And the man says to him, he says, teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth up. And Jesus looks at him and he feels love for him or he feels compassion for him. And he says to him, one thing you lack, go sell all your possessions and give to the poor and you will have a treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Now. Again, the man asked, the question he asked was, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? The response was, go sell all your stuff. The man, uh, the man at these words became saddened and he was grieved because he owned much property. What Jesus identified in this man as lack was not the, was not the fact that he owned much property. What Jesus was identifying to him or the symbolicness of him saying, go sell all this, is because the man put more value in the the things he possessed than he did in what in, in following Christ. Right. So the intent, the intent in what Jesus was saying is, is until you get to a point where you want me more than everything else, you can't have eternal life. We cannot get to eternal life until we get to the place where we want God more than we want the temporal things of this world. We can't get to a place where we can have eternal life until we get to a place where we understand that the temporary is not as important as the eternal. Right. Because the thing that I wrote down in my notes, this man said, I've kept all these things talking about the commandments that Jesus regurgitated back to him. He said, I've kept all these things from my youth. Bible tells us in Proverbs, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he goes, oh, he shall not depart. It doesn't mean that because you raise up a child in the things of God, that that child chooses the things of God. It doesn't. When I was growing up, we couldn't watch TV in the morning. Well, this was on Sunday. We couldn't watch TV in the morning. Um, We had to listen to gospel music. Right. And and, all, and and we couldn't even watch TV until after we got back from church. Like it, 
whatever, from the time you wake up to the time we get out of church, it's all about God. And so while we went to church, right, I had an obligation to go to church. I didn't go to church because I wanted to. It was an obligation, right? I didn't necessarily become a Christian because I wanted to. It was more of an obligation because that was what my parents were. If my parents were Jew, if, if my parents were Jewish, then there would have been an obligation for me to be Jewish. If my parents were Buddhism or were Buddhist, there would be an obligation for me to be a Buddhist. If my parents were Hindu, it would be an obligation for me to be Hindu. It doesn't mean that I chose it. Right? So when the man says, I have kept all these things from my youth, what he's saying, what scripture is getting at is, there was an obligation on my life to do these things. And because the obligation was on my life to do these things, I completed the obligation on my life. So when Jesus says one thing you lack, go sell all this stuff. What Jesus was saying you is that your obligation to follow these commands was there. Okay, cool. I gave it to you. But now I'm giving you a choice. Come follow me. And when he was given the choice to come follow him, he couldn't do it. See, there's a difference between being obligated and choosing. When, when I joined the military, I had an obligation to follow the instructions that were laid out, the rules, the regulations, the uniform code of military justice. I have an obligation to follow these things because if I break these things, then this punishment is going to come. Uh, and, 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 and so I did things not because I wanted to, but simply because this is what I'm supposed to do. But at a certain point, when I as I moved up in the ranks and I started to to garner more leadership uh, in, in my positions, it got to a place where I had to make a decision. I was either going to drink the Kool Aid or I wasn't. Right and. That's where we're at. That's where I think a lot of us are in life is that we're only doing it out of obligation. We're only doing it to avoid this punishment or we're only doing it to avoid this consequence or this outcome. But we haven't truly committed to it. And if we haven't truly committed to it, then it's still an obligation. And so when Jesus tells us one, excuse me, when Jesus tells us one thing you lack, go sell this. We can't do it because there's there, there's a wealth of whatever that is in our life that we don't want to let go. So what does this look like? Well, there's a wealth of our love for 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 having sex without being married. Jesus says one thing you lack. Stop having sex and follow me the way I say. God, I can't do that. I like having sex. It feels too good. Right there. there there's a wealth in us. For lying, Jesus says one thing you lack, stop lying. Well, I can't stop lying because if I stop lying, then I got to pay the consequence for all the things that I've done. Just pick up your cross daily and follow me. We, we have a wealth, uh, we have a wealth in, 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 in whatever the sin is, whether it's, it's drinking, whether it's smoking, whether it's masturbating, whether it's pornography. Whether uh, it's depression, whether it's, you know, adultery or, or any other type of fornication uh, uh, or whether it's, it's having low self-esteem, um, 
whether it's whatever, whatever, right? I'm not you. I don't know. I don't know the one thing that God is telling you that you need to sell because you're lacking in that area. I don't. And I'm not going to profess to. But for you, when you think about it, that thing that you have so much wealth in, that thing that you put so much value, uh, uh, so much worth on, Jesus is telling you, go sell that. Go let that go and come and follow me. And you will have treasure in heaven. Our salvation, our, our, our redemption is, is tied up into our, our choice to choose God. It's tied up in our choice to let go of the things that draw us away from God and grab hold to the things of God and follow him. That's where our that's where our treasure in heaven is tied up in. And 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 if we get like Lucifer and we allow our pride, the wealth of our pride to cause us to buy the Kool-Aid that says we're we're the best thing since sliced bread and that we're better than God. If we we're like Lucifer and we allow our pride to cause us to exalt ourselves above God and for us to, 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 to think that we're our own gods. If we, uh, if we allow our desires like Adam and Eve to cause us to see that things are good and desirable for us and regardless of whether God said it or not, that we're going to choose ourselves, then we put ourselves in a position that we're going to break a relationship with God and cause us, cause us to receive a consequence that puts us in hell. Because like I've said before, hell was never designed for us. It was designed for, for Lucifer and the third of the angels that was kicked out. It was extended. It was expanded to include us, but it was never designed for us. And so uh, and, and so, what we have to get to, a place where we have to get to, is where we commit ourselves to God out of our own choice, not obligation. It's not about obligation. It's about choice. And the one thing that I've come to understand the word of God to be, the Bible is a, is a collection of stories that shows us uh, a central theme that goes from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And that theme is what happens when man chooses himself above God. That's the theme. And when you look over and over and over and over, Every time man chooses himself, there's a consequence that follows. And every time man chooses God, there's a blessing that follows. And so at the end of the day, whether we receive the treasure that's laid up in heaven for us or not, it simply comes down to whether or not we move beyond our obligation to, 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 to do the things, to to follow the Ten Commandments or whatever. We, we move beyond the obligation of church. We move beyond the obligation of religion. We move beyond the obligation of Christianity. And we move into a place where we choose. And, and that's, been a big, that's been a big push in the last couple of podcasts is that you have two choices. You either choose to serve God or you choose to serve yourself. Choosing to serve God will allow you to receive your treasure laid up in heaven for you. But choosing yourself, that's going to put you in the same place where Satan is. It's going to put you in hell, a place that was never designed for you. And so with that, I end this podcast. 
If there was anything that was said during this podcast that may have been confusing or you want more information about, please feel free to leave a comment below or you can go to the website at www.pursuitofgodministry.com. You can find this podcast there and leave a comment there or you can click on the questions tab and you can send us an email that way. Also, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, YouTube, you name it. And if you feel more comfortable leaving uh, SoundCloud, and if you feel more comfortable leaving a comment there, you can do that as well. Uh, but we have all the different platforms there so that you can get the things from this podcast that God desires for you to have in the method and the, and the way that you desire to have it. Uh, but none, of, but nonetheless, if you haven't subscribed on any of these platforms, please do. Um, that way you can get the notifications of when we have new episodes and things like that. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, as, I, as I close, uh, at the end of the day, we have a choice to make. And that choice is simple. Follow after God or don't. But as long as we are stuck on the temporary and, and, and in a mindset that thinks about the temporal things, we can never get the eternal things that God has for us. So if you want the eternal things that God has for you, you got to start to shift your mindset to, to that of an eternal mindset. And as you choose God and as you follow after him, understand, uh, uh, like Paul said, the things of this present life aren't to be compared with the glory that is to come. And with that, I hope something was said during this podcast that will be a blessing to your life and be an encouragement to you in your journey towards holiness. And until the next time, thank you. God bless you.